Newton, but it won't stop us wrapping up a busy Saturday of sport. Very, very busy afternoon in the Premier League. Good day for Liverpool, not a great day for Man City. We will go around the grounds, hear from the managers and get you full-time reports from right around the Premier League. We're also going to look ahead to the season running. Five games left for both Cork City and Cove Ramblers in the League of Ireland. Cork City legend George O'Callaghan will be joining us to talk football very shortly. We look ahead to a big game for the Irish women's rugby team against Italy tomorrow. We hear from Captain Kira Griffin and also from head coach Adam Griggs. And we're going to hear from a very interesting Olympic boxing family, Aidan and Michaela Walsh, and indeed their father too. They've all been chatting to us uh, following the Olympics. Uh, we're going to have all that coming up between now and seven. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the show. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock on uh, a wet and windy <laughs> Saturday evening. It started off so bright and beautiful this morning. Uh, it's turned quite wet and uh, there are some local Gaelic Games uh, matches going on in that uh, wet weather this evening. So we'll keep you up to date on them as well. And we'll wrap up all the weekend sport for you. As I said, uh, Georgia Callaghan, the Cork City legend, uh, former Ipswich Town player and uh, so on as well, is going to be joining us shortly to talk football. We We've got a big preview of the Irish women's rugby teams. Crucial. It really is crucial. Uh, their World Cup qualifier against Italy tomorrow. It's a game they need to win really after losing to Spain next, last week. And uh, they need to win that really to qualify for the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup in New Zealand next year. So we'll hear from uh, the captain, Kira Griffin, and also from the coach, Adam Griggs. And we're going to hear, as I said, from uh, Olympian boxers, Aidan and Michaela Walsh. And indeed, their father will be joining them in the interview as well. Uh, they've been chatting to us um, uh, recently as well. So we'll hear from them and uh, plenty more all to come between now and 7 it is a busy show and we'll squeeze as much of it as we can in between now and 7 for you it is with the Premier League we want to start and uh, quite a day in the Premier League um, some interesting results to say the least and we'll start with the early game and it was a very good day for Brentford and it's been a good start to the season for Brentford they have 8 points from their opening uh, few games and today another victory for them away from home at Molyneux uh, they've beaten Wolves 2-0 in the early game at lunchtime today and Joshua Smith was at Molyneux watching for us. Well it was a dominant display in the end by the visitors. Down to 10 men Brentford but it didn't stop their fantastic dis defensive display in truth. Wolves on the other hand we've said before the game both sides look good defensively. Wolves today was a bit of a horror show at the back in truth and Brentford had they been more clinical could have got three or four. Ivan Tony hit the net three times in the first half. One offside one handball and one from the spot to open the scoring. Then he turned provider before Shandon Baptiste was sent off for the host to make take it down to 10 men against the 11 but Wolves just could not get through in the final 15 minutes the Brentford boss game booked as well it's finished at Molyneux Wolverhampton nil Brentford 2 well Wolves won't be happy with that but a uh, great start to the season really for Brentford considering they just got promoted um, last season from the Championship and it's their first season ever in the Premier League and they started it off of course a few weeks ago with that great win at home in their opening game against Arsenal uh, they've had a couple of draws since as I said they've got 8 points now and another win today uh, against Wolves 2-0 as we heard there and boss Thomas Frank he's done a great job with Brentford and he can't praise his players enough after today's game especially after the sending off in the match you're still brave play still 4-3-2 try to go for the third goal and when you look through the whole game going away to Wolves a very good team and we're winning truly deserved that is a fantastic feat now all the talk really um, in terms of who will win the Premier League this year has been Man City and Chelsea and then Manchester United thrown into the equation uh, with Ronaldo's arrival 
And very little mention of Liverpool, I think, because they weren't so active in the, tra- in the transfer market as quite a few other clubs were. But Liverpool will want to regain the crown they won two years ago, the Premier League title, and uh, they're going about it the right way so far. Another big win for them today, 3-0 um, in, against Crystal Palace, and Shane Pennington was watching at Anfield. Liverpool 3, Crystal Palace 0, and Jurgen Klopp's side continue their excellent start to the season with a fairly routine win over a Crystal Palace side who lost to today's opponents for ninth successive time. Sadio Mane put them in front just before half-time before Mo Salah added a second on the volley 12 minutes before full-time. Then right at the end of the game, it was Naby Keita who put the gloss on an excellent Liverpool win when he volleyed home from 20 yards out after a poor punch by Guaita in the Palace goal. Jurgen Klopp will be delighted. It continues Liverpool's fine start to the season. Liverpool 3, Crystal Palace 0. And it really has been a fine start to the season for Liverpool both in the Premier League and now in the Champions League as well. Um, they had a good win of course against AC Milan with that great goal from Jordan Henderson during the week as well in the Champions League at Anfield so it's been a good week at Anfield uh, for Liverpool and of course uh, the lads getting on the score sheet the usuals again today for Liverpool Uh, Jurgen Klopp is doing a cracking job there as he has been for uh, quite a few years now and uh, he was very very happy with uh, the result today actually Sadio Mane's goal was his 100th goal for the club as well and uh, Klopp says they were made to fight for the results at Anfield today even though it was 3-0 they were made to fight first we had to give all absolutely everything really hard challenges fair challenges but hard um, physicality in the game was immense we had to be really ready in each situation now Man City scoring goals to beat the band in both the Premier League and the Champions League this season they conceded three albeit during the week um, against Leipzig but they also scored six uh, some of them quite nice goals uh, certainly Cancelo's goal was a great goal and Jack Grealish's goal was a great goal as well and they've scored uh, five in, in I think it's two of their Premier League games so far this season as well but today they couldn't score any goals. Uh, they didn't concede any either. It was scoreless between Man City and Southampton in their Premier League match. And Peter Smith was watching for us at the Etihad. City nil, Southampton nil. City's first draw game in 48 matches. With Southampton getting their tactics spot on. It could have been better for them had referee Jonathan Moss not overturned a key decision. He initially awarded Southampton a penalty and red-carded Kyle Walker for his challenge on Adam Armstrong. James Ward-Prowse didn't get to take the spot kick with Moss ultimately overruling his decision decision. VAR also ruled out a potential Raheem Sterling winner. City nil, Southampton nil. Yeah, so Southampton have actually now taken points off both the Manchester clubs this season. They got a draw against Manchester United as well. That's the only points that United have dropped this season. Uh, won all in the second game of the season. And now they've got a draw against um, the champions, Man City, at the Etihad Stadium as well today. A lot of talk in the build-up to this Man City game was about uh, the supporters, or maybe lack of supporters at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, Pep Guardiola calling out his own fans and saying, we want more people to come out and support us because there were 17,000 empty seats at the Etihad Stadium stadium for their Champions League game during the week and you'd imagine like uh, as a club who is doing so well and winning all around them uh, they'd get bigger crowds but they don't get the crowds that the likes of uh, Manchester United and Liverpool and some of the London clubs and so on get uh, despite their success <laughs> but uh, it caused a bit of a rift during the week then between the Manchester City supporters club and Pep Guardiola and Guardiola finished up by saying at the press conference yesterday if you don't like what I'm doing if you don't like what I have to say um, then I'll just leave um, so he's making all sorts of threats but after the game today uh, Guardiola was chatting about the match and he said there were a number of factors that caused them to struggle against Southampton today We draw a game against a, a good opponent that defend really well we have a good quality players in the middle like Romeo one of the best midfield players in the Premier League uh, yeah it was a tight game we were not comfortable in our build up we lost more than usual balls and we create a feeling that we were not good 
All right. Uh, elsewhere, then Arsenal had a very, very poor start to the season in their opening three or four games. Uh, they were sitting bottom of the table after three games. Um, but they've turned things around in the last week or two and uh, they picked up their second win back to back in the Premier League today. They beat Burnley 1 0 today and Adam Jury was watching for us at Turf Moor. Martin Odegaard's first half free kick gave Arsenal a hard fought 1 0 win over Burnley. The goal came in the 30th minute when Westwood fouled Saka on the edge of the box and Odegaard curled the resulting free kick into the corner of the net. A beautiful finish. Burnley plugged away all game looking for a leveller. They had a penalty decision overturned by VAR and that goal never came. It means Arsenal record back-to-back wins to relieve pressure on Arteta. Full-time here at Turf Moor. It finished Burnley nil, Arsenal 1. OK, and uh, after that Arsenal game, then Mikel Arteta, their boss, was speaking. And he's been under pressure a bit, really, um, it, certainly with their poor start to the season. Uh, but they did make it back-to-back wins in the Premier League today with that victory at Burnley. And their opponents, they, maybe they were lucky because their opponents, um, Burnley, were denied a chance to equalise in the second half when VAR overturned a penalty decision. But the Arsenal boss, Mikel Arteta, admits they didn't have it all their own way in today's game, but I reckon he was just happy to get the three points. When we had to suffer, we did. I think we defended really well the situations that they constantly proposing. Uh, in the first half, we had some really good patches where we were really dominant and looked a real threat. And uh, in the second half, we had periods where we suffered because we didn't finish the actions either. Uh, poor old Norwich have had a horrendous start to the season uh, promoted again from the Premier, uh, from the Championship to the Premier League last season and uh, they, they, they've just been terrible really they're sitting bottom of the of the, of the Premier League table still and uh, they, they're still to, to pick up a win and Watford made sure they didn't pick up a win or even a point today uh, Watford beating Norwich 3-1 at Carroll Road Guy Swindles was watching for us Norwich 1 Watford 3 vital point seized for the Hornets they took the lead through Dennis in the 17th minute fine header but Norwich got leveled by half time Pookie poking home and after the break it was all Norwich but Watford scored again just after the hour mark as Saar tucked home from King's Cross and after that it was all Watford they deservedly got a third after Saar put the ball home again VAR had to check an offside but quite rightly it was given Norwich five defeats out of five Norwich one Watford three five defeats out of five games it is as I said a horrendous start to the season for Norwich in the Premier League uh, one game ongoing then the late kickoff in the Premier League this afternoon uh, 39 minutes on the clock now at Villa Park it's Aston Villa up against Everton and it remains scoreless there uh, as it heads towards half time Aston Villa nil, Everton nil is how it stands now uh, not much League of Ireland action this uh, this weekend as we said uh, Cork City and Cove Ramblers uh, with a weekend off because it is FAI Cup weekend and both teams are out of the FAI Cup but in the Premier Division uh, two teams who are out of the FAI Cup are, are making up for lost time and playing a league game instead and uh, here at home tonight Shamrock Rovers have the chance to move six points clear at the top of the SSC Airtricity League Premier Division Stephen Bradley's hoops head to third place Sligo Rovers for a 7.45pm kickoff and uh, victory for Sligo tonight would move them within five points of Shamrock Rovers do Sligo still realistically harbour hopes of winning the title or would they be happy with a European place well certainly if they got a win tonight and they were five points behind they might have hopes of a late run but um, Shamrock Rovers certainly uh, could move six points clear of uh, the second place team there tonight uh, next to Gaelic Games then we'll come back to football in just a little while chat to George O'Callaghan 
um, about um, the Premier League and some of those games and of course about Cork City and Cove Ramblers as well but uh, I want to mention Gaelic Games now because in the Co-op Superstores Premier Senior Hurling Championship um, in the first match day of uh, first match of the day today uh, Glen Rovers were up against Bishopstown down in Parky Ring and uh, 117 to 13 points was the score there um, in favour of the Glen in Glantan Douglas victorious today uh, Douglas 23 points Newtown Shandrum 15 points is how it finished up Douglas getting a, a good win there by 8 points uh, Charleville currently taking on the Rockies taking on Black Rock in Bans here and we'll get you a latest score from that game right now um, as Charleville uh, take on Black Rock down there and the latest score we have with uh, just approaching half time in fact uh, just a point in it and it's the Rockies leading by a point it's uh, Black Rock 13 points Charleville 12 points there uh, just uh, heading into injury time now in the first half in that game so we'll keep you up to date with that right across the show as well and then a big one down in uh, Parky Cueve tonight at half past seven. Aaron's own playing St. Finbar's in Parky Cueve at 7.30 tonight. And golf today as well. Niall Kearney, he's 11 under par after a one under par third round of 71 at the Dutch Open. That leaves the Dubliner in a tie for eighth and 12 shots off the lead. That's held by Sweden's Christopher Broberg. Uh, Graham McDowell is nine under par after today as well. Uh, now we were talking Premier League. We wrapped up all the Premier League games for you there as we said and uh, still scoreless at Villa Park uh, between Aston Villa and Everton and uh, we're going to talk football now and uh, George O'Callaghan the Cork City legend uh, former Ipswich Town uh, star as well as joining us and um, we'll talk to George uh, briefly about the Premier League in just a few minutes but I want to start with Cork City and Cove Ramblers as I mentioned it's a weekend off for Cork City and Cove Ramblers uh, after a busy period this weekend because of FAI Cup matches but they both head in next weekend to the start really of what is their season running Uh, Cove most likely they are out of contention now for the playoffs really but Cork City still harbouring hopes of getting a playoff place Uh, they're a bit behind uh, Bray Wanderers who are fifth Cork City need to finish in the top five if they are to make the playoffs and have a hope of making it back up to the Premier Division next season Um, so you'd hope that Cork City haven't left it too late they've been on a good run recently despite losing to Shelburne last week before that quite a few good results Um, and and giving them hopes of maybe making the playoffs but they will have to pretty much I think win nearly all of their last few games Uh, as I said we're joined by Cork City legend George O'Callaghan now How's it going, George? Very good, Colin. Great, great stuff. And um, as I said, it's going to be tough for Cork City. They've had a mixed season. Uh, the early part of the season was quite disappointing, quite poor. But in recent weeks, uh, albeit they lost to Shelburne last week of the weekend team, but in recent weeks they have gone on a bit of a run and played quite a bit of good football uh, in recent weeks. And uh, you just hope that it's not too late to make the playoffs, George, but it's going to be tough now, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be uh, really tough for them, you know, and... Um I think suppose going into the start of the season, like people had Cork City and Shells and Galway as the favourites, you know. But you know, Con has a really tough job there. But um, and I, but as you said, the last you know five or six weeks, you know, the team has come on a lot. But um, and I think really at the start of the season, it was down to having so many young players in and probably finding their feet in the League of Ireland, you know. And you know, we have conceded a lot of like last minute goals and threw away a few points. But that happens, I think, when you're building a young team and and you're, you're basically starting out again. I think Colin was kind of saying that earlier on in the season that it was a lot of young players and, and they needed time to kind of get into the swing of things and, and some of them have kind of stepped up now in, in recent weeks if you look at some of the strikers there Kean Murphy has 10 goals now I think he's doing really well isn't he? Yeah Kean and you know, you know he was rewarded he was captain for the last game you know so uh, you know he's really been like one of the star players from this season and then you know I think when you look at it, even if you looked at the bench the last day, you know, Liam Kearney's doing a fantastic job at the academy. You've got like, mm. the likes of uh, Zach Dunn and, 
you know, you've the lad Heffernan, you know, they're all sitting there waiting for their chances as well, you know. So, you know, the new boys that have come in and got their chances, they know they're under pressure with these lads coming through as well from the academy. And uh, I think I think Colin has handled it really well, you know, because it obviously can't be tough. Uh, it can be tough, you know, when you're not getting the results and when you're the Cork City manager. But, you know, I think you have to, like, say, fair play to the fans as well. They'll be fantastic. They've really stuck with them, you know. And, you know, us in Cork City, like, we're never expected to be in this situation, you know, and the fans certainly don't. So, um, you know, it's great that the club is all stuck together like through this tough, tough season. Uh, you mentioned the fans, George, and uh, we were in Turners Cross last week uh, against Shelburne, obviously lost 2-0, but even at 2-0 down, there was 2,000 people there, the biggest crowd Cork City have had in ages because of COVID, um, and uh, the shed was lighting flares, singing, chanting, even at 2-0 down. Um, it was like in old days, in the, even in your days when you were playing against big games against Shelburne and things, there was a load of Shelburne fans up in the St. Anne's end, and it was great support there, and it just shows, like, even no matter what division are in, Cork City are in, um, that support is there, isn't it? It is, you know, and like the the Cork City, like you know, they have a core, you know, of like maybe that two 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 thousand, two and a half thousand fans that like like stick with the team like through thick and thin, you know, and uh, like it was amazing, you know, like uh, like the flares and everything at that game, and I suppose even for the young players going into next season, they're going to realise how important it is to be a Cork City player, and maybe last season, you know, when the fans weren't at the games, you know, people that the lads that came into the club probably didn't realise like how big a club Cork City is, and the passion that the people around Cork have for the club so um, you know I think I think it's all kind of hopefully going in the right direction with both the club and, and Colin and the team and the fans and I think you know we spoke I know I spoke to you in the week about the running uh, that's coming up with the last five games you know, it is going to be really tough for them you know I think it's three away games and two home games so and there's a few really tricky games in that as well so going to be a difficult one it is looking at that running I'm just looking at the table now as I'm talking to you George uh, Cork City have 25 points they need to finish in the top 5 to make the playoffs Brayer in 5th currently on 33 points so there's an 8 point gap for Cork City to make up there over the course of 5 games they'd really need to win every single game now wouldn't they I mean for the rest of the season and one of those games is against Bray and above Bray then in 4th are Treaty who they play next week as well so they've got to beat these teams and I mean they, they can't afford to probably even draw a game at this stage can they? No, I don't think so, you know, but you know, you know, Cork City, like, something will happen and it will get close, I think, but I just think it's just out of reach, you know, as you say, with the eight points difference and you've got that loan above us as well and then you're talking about Treaty away, that's a tough one, Bray away, UCD away and then, you know, you got Wexford at home which you expect to win but then it's Galway but you don't know what situation Galway are going to be in by then will they be resting players so they look like they're going to be in the playoffs uh, rather than going straight up so it's going to be really tough and I, I honestly personally I can't see it happening I obviously would love to see them get into the playoffs but I just think it's uh, like you're just a bit too late this, this year um, to get into those spots yeah, that's kind of what Colin Healy was saying himself to me last week as well, is, is they'll just go out to try and win every game and see what happens, I suppose. Um, you mentioned Galway. Uh, Galway are in third there. They look safe enough for the playoffs there. They're joined second, really, with UCD, both of them on 39 points. Uh, Shells are 10 points ahead. They should have it wrapped up at this stage. So Galway look like they, they will be in the playoffs regardless. Uh, but, I mean, could it come down to that last game of the season, George, and turn us across Cork City up against uh, their old legendary manager, um, legendary player and manager John Caulfield uh, down with Galway. And if Galway are already are already safe I wonder would John Coffey do Cork City a favour um, I don't think John will <laughs> <laughs> to be honest but uh, you know it'd be great if he did but um, you know I think he has enough pressure himself you know he obviously has a big budget for the first division this year and they're probably expected to be ahead of shells but um, and you know obviously when you go into those playoff games 
it's the team that's informed that's going to like that normally go, goes through like we've often seen uh, like in the last past few seasons in Ireland and in the UK when you watch the championship playoffs in League One so you know he'll want to keep his eyes on their toes so uh, I don't think uh, John will be giving any favours to Colin or uh, any of the boys anyway <laughs> and we can just hope for the best anyway <laughs> yeah. um, you never know you never know but uh, no knowing John it's unlikely he goes out to win every game in fairness as does Colin Healy so it could be a cracker of a last game of the season if, if uh, Cork City are still in the running at that stage um, and there's been a bit of a prospect George a very unlikely prospect if Cork City were to qualify for the playoffs Dundalk are in second bottom in the in the Premier Division at the moment uh, which is very very surprising to see do you think Dundalk will get out of that or do you think they could end up in a playoff and playing against the first division side to, to fight for their survival I, I honestly think Dundalk are really going through a, like, like obviously they're going through a really tough patch like even last night I suppose you look at it there where they tune it up and you think they're cruising against yeah. uh, Finn Hart and then it's a last minute goal so the confidence is like rock bottom with Dundalk at the minute which is very dangerous when I suppose we looked at last season when we were in the situation down near the end and you could see the confidence is draining from the players even though they're playing for such a big club like Cork City so Anything can happen in the League of Ireland, and you know we always say like the one thing about it, it mightn't have the best of quality sometimes, but it's certainly all the players give a hundred percent every game, and they're all tough games. So it's going to be really tricky for them, and, and I think a lot of clubs, you know, especially in in the Premier League, like the Shamrock Rovers and and the St. Pat's, like you know, they're only more than happy to keep Dundalk down as they did with us last season. So um, yeah, it's a tricky one for Dundalk, and it's amazing how it's all fallen apart so quickly. It's probably the same way it happened with Cork City, mm. but. This happens, and I think the you know clubs kind of go you know kind of goes in cycles. You know they had their time for a while, we had our time for a while, and Sean McGrover seemed to have it now. You know, so um, yeah, there's a big building job there, and uh, it does look a little bit of a mess. And it's like they obviously have the players and the quality to get out of it and put like two or three uh, wins together. But um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting before the end of the season to see how they do get out of it. Yeah, it is. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, and as you say, like it does seem to go in cycles for League of Ireland clubs. Great success followed by uh, kind of a fall from grace. And we've seen it with Cork City. We're seeing it with Dundalk now. We've seen it in previous years with the likes of Shelburne and so on. Um, so we'll see how Cork City get on in the running for this season. Uh, just a word for Cove Ramblers as well, George. Uh, obviously, uh, quite a bit out of the running now um, of the playoffs. But they were, uh, or they did make an announcement during the week that Darren Murphy has got the job full-time there. Do you think it's a good appointment to Darren Murphy? He's been caretaker for the last few games since Stewie Ashton's departure. Uh, so Darren's taking over Cove full time for next season. Do you think he'll do a good job? I, I think I think it's a great decision to bring Darren in. And like like before that, I thought Stewie did an excellent job as well. You know, they were very unlucky last season. Uh, obviously, they, they changed it with Darren coming in. But uh, you know, I speak to Darren every now and again, and he's a real footballing person. You know, and the one thing about him, he knows all the players around in the Munster Senior League, not only in the League of Ireland, but in, in the Munster Senior League as well, which I think will be really important for him. And. Uh, you know he's he's going to be he's really enthusiastic about that job, and you know you know you could watch Cove next season. He could put a surprise together because I think he's the type of lad that he he'll bond the team and everyone will come together and play for him. So uh, it'd be really exciting, and I hope like you know as I always say, I hope the fans down in Cove get back in and get more fans in down watching Ramblers because they definitely deserve that. And you know it's a great club, Cove Ramblers. It's been there around a long time, so um, hopefully. Darren can get a couple of good results, build the confidence and really get into a good pre-season next year and then like, we'll all be looking forward to going and watching him and see how he gets on. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully that uh, next season will be good for both Cork City and Cove and hopefully they can both have a good run in as well and maybe Cork City can push into those playoff places. Uh, just before we finish up, George, uh, I know you're a big Chelsea fan as well. A big game for Chelsea tomorrow against Spurs uh, and a great 
day in the Premier League tomorrow. We were talking about today's results earlier, but uh, Manchester United uh, way to West Ham tomorrow. Tottenham hosting Chelsea as well um, in the big Super Sunday games. And I mean, it's a cracking Premier League over in England this year, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm interested in it every year, but I think everyone this year is, is really enthralled by it. Ronaldo coming back. So many teams in the running. Chelsea, United, Man City, Liverpool right up there. Um, it, it's a cracker, isn't it? It is, it's great. And, you know, I suppose like Ronaldo and Lukaku coming back and you've all these players like Harry Kane, like the, the Premier League probably has, like, you know, the strongest league now with it. And the best players are kind of all coming back to England, I suppose. Like, as we say, it goes in cycles. It was Spain a few years ago and it was Italy. Like, I suppose when we were a lot younger, everyone went to play in Italy and everyone wants to come back to the Premier League now. But, um, you know, there's some amazing players in that league. And I think, if, you know, obviously I'm a big Chelsea fan. I mean, you even look at Chelsea. Chelsea could take out their first 11 and put on another 11 that are just as good, you know, with with the players they have in the quality. But um, it's so exciting. I suppose even if you just look at the results there now, you know, Brentford just went to Wolves and won as well. So yeah. anything can happen in the Premier League. And, you know, tomorrow, I suppose, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. And, you know, some teams are going to have to lose and managers are going to be under pressure. And some of the, some of the teams are going to be like top the league and winning. So it's, uh, it is an exciting league, you know, and uh, it's great to see it. And, you know, everyone's going to love sitting down tomorrow watching all the football. It's impossible to call at the moment. I mean, you'd obviously like Chelsea to win it. I'd like United to win it. Are United realistic contenders? They have to be with Ronaldo, I suppose. But uh, it's still hard to look past Man City, isn't it? It's very hard to look past Man City. I think if they did get a striker that they wanted, I think they would have easily, you know, like been real, real favourites. But you know, when you look at Man United last year, they couldn't win the games against the lower teams. They dropped a lot of points. And and watching the Newcastle game with Ronaldo, you know, he's like the man that steps up in those occasions and gets you those big results. And that's why. He's Ronaldo being one of the best players in the world for so long. So, um, you know, anything can happen. If Leicester win the league, win the league was three or four years ago, yeah. you never know what can happen. And, and with Liverpool are on fire at the minute as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a great season. And, you know, it's, it's great to look forward to every week and uh, trying to pick your fancy football team is like a, a headache every, every Friday afternoon, like waiting to see what's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I know it's brilliant. And uh, Sunday's going to be a great day of football. Certainly, certainly is. Uh, thanks a million, George. That is um, George O'Callaghan, Cork City legend um, and uh, former Ipswich Town player as well, talking to us um, about uh, the Premier League there and before that, of course, uh, the season running for Cork City and Cove Ramblers. And hopefully Cork City can make the playoffs, as we said. Uh, now, I just want to update you on a few things before we go to the break. Uh, one game still underway in the Premier League, the late kickoff. It's half time now at Villa Park and still no goals to report on. It remains Aston Villa nil, Everton nil and uh, just one game ongoing at the moment as well uh, in local Gaelic games and the Co-op Superstores Premier Senior Hurling Championship uh, round two and it is um, Charleville up against Black Rock down in Bantier and uh, all square there now into the second half and all square it's Charleville 13 points the Rockies 13 points we'll keep you up to date on uh, those games and everything that's happening right around uh, the place this evening right across the show between now and 7 o'clock still to come we're going to hear from Irish Olympian boxers Aidan and Michaela Walsh uh, they're going to reflect on their time uh, in Tokyo at the Olympics and they're going to look ahead to the prospects uh, could they be heading to Paris in three years time who knows uh, we'll hear from them very very shortly before that we're going to preview a big game for the Irish women's rugby team tomorrow as well taking on Italy a game they probably need to win really if they're going to qualify for the uh, the women's rugby world cup in New Zealand next year we'll hear from the uh, the captain Kira Griffin and uh, from the boss Adam Griggs as well in just a few minutes all that plenty more to come here are the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM between now and 7 o'clock The Big Red Bench
Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, welcome back to the show. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock on the Big Red Bench as we uh, wrap up a busy day of sport and indeed look ahead to some of the action uh, tomorrow as well. And right now I want to go live to Villa Park for the latest there. It's uh, half time at Villa Park still. Aston Villa up against Everton. Big game for Everton because if Everton were to win here, they could go join top of the Premier League with their Merseyside rivals Liverpool at least until uh, Manchester United play tomorrow and Chelsea play tomorrow as well. Um, so a win there would be a big, big result for Everton who have had a pretty good start to the season under new manager Rafa Benitez. Let's go live to Villa Park. Halftime there. Abigail Davis is watching for us. It's Aston Villa nil, Everton nil here. Visitors certainly grew into the game and saw more of the ball as the half went on. They've also looked dangerous on the counter with Alex Iwobi using his pace effectively down the left but just lacking an end product. As for Villa, they were dealt a blow when the man who was pulling the strings for them in midfield, John McGinn, was forced off and replaced by Nakamba. It's Aston Villa nil, Everton nil here at half-time. Certainly is, and Everton hoping to get the three points there. Go joint top with Liverpool, who moved top of the Premier League table after their 3-0 victory over Crystal Palace today um, at Anfield, as we said earlier on. Goals there from, uh, who else would you expect? Sadio Mane with his 100th goal for the club. Mo Salah, obviously, as per usual, getting on the score sheet. And uh, Nabi Keita, uh, Keita getting uh, the late goal for them as well. Uh, other results this afternoon, the early game. Brentford had a 2-0 win over Wolves. Arsenal uh, getting a much-needed win against Burnley today. 1-0 there for Mikel Arteta's side. Man City won't be too happy. 0-0 at home to Southampton. Not a great result for them. And uh, Norwich still struggling uh, badly at the bottom of the table. No points from five games now. Uh, finished Watford 3, Norwich 1. And as we said, halftime still at Villa Park. It is Villa 0 Everton nil and just uh, one local Gaelic game scoreline for you as well one game underway is still ongoing um, in the uh, Premier Senior Hurling Championship and uh, Blackrock uh, getting into quite a bit of a lead now against um, against Charleville there they've got two goals since our last update a few minutes ago uh, it's uh, midway through the second half there now in that game and Blackrock leading by six points it is Charleville 15 points the Rockies 2.15 so we'll keep you up to date on that between now and 7 o'clock as well but right now I want to turn our attentions to uh, women's rugby and the Irish women's rugby team they face into a crucial really really is a crucial World Cup qualifier against Italy in Parma in Italy tomorrow Uh, they had a shock opening round defeat to Spain last Monday um, and uh, they need to kind of bounce back from that really after that result Ireland simply can't afford another slip up as they bid to reach next year's World Cup finals in New Zealand their head coach Adam Griggs he made four changes to his team from that defeat against Spain ahead of tomorrow's match and we'll hear from Adam Griggs very very shortly but first of all uh, I want to hear from Kira Griffin she's the captain of the Ireland's women's rugby team and she's been speaking at the press conference this afternoon to the media and she says she knows exactly what's at stake in tomorrow's big match with Italy yeah look it's, it is it's a, it's a pinnacle really isn't it you know what's at stake here and it's so it's my own personal view it's it's making sure everyone is firstly is okay checking in because you know a defeat is always tough to take and just making sure everyone's okay both physically and mentally and um, that was a big thing this week and just making sure we're all on the same page you know we all have that target that that, that same end goal and we did talk today and it was kind of about pressure and how you control the pressure and using it as an advantage because i think sometimes we see pressure we nearly say it's a bad thing where on the flip side it's you know, it's it's a pleasure to be under pressure because it means you're at a high stakes, and that's what you want. And I suppose it's flipping that switch to use that pressure to your own end goal, to your own that you can apply the pressure as well, and you can absorb the pressure and then flip it and put it straight back onto them. That's been a big focus on us too, is using that pressure wisely and and using it to our control 
rather than reacting to the pressure that's thrown at us. After that final whistle against Spain, the first thing I did was bring the group in together and I said, don't look sad. I was like, look, we didn't perform. I was like, we got a losing bonus. We have, there's a there's a competition here to be won. We have two games left and it's all to play for, like you said. You know, no tickets have been punched for that plane yet. So everything's to play for. It's, it's under our control to, to perform the way we know we can perform. So that's a big thing for us. Do you know that it's all in our control. It's not different things being thrown at us outside of us. It's, it's literally us doing the job we say we want to do. Um, just on that, as captain and, you know, trying to make sure the squad are channeling the pressure, I suppose, of a game like this in the right way, there's a lot of, there's a good few girls in this squad who only have a couple of caps to their name and haven't really experienced a week like this before. Is that something as captain you have to be particularly aware of and making sure, you know, they're managing the build-up the way you want them to, I suppose? Yeah, I suppose that, that's it. Um, so it's making sure everyone is okay and that they know, as you said, some of us have experience of this and some don't in terms of caps. But I think outside of that, it's drawing on those around you, um, those who have experienced it and, you know, asking those questions. And look, we all don't have the answers. I'm not saying I have the answer to everything at all, but you can help people find the answers or find what works for them. Um, and just making sure we're all on the same page, same wavelength here. And we are we're quite, we're very focused as a group. They know there's a job to do tomorrow. And just your own role tomorrow, switching from seven to eight this week, you're obviously kind of well used to that. But how much does that actually kind of change your role on the day? Um, yeah, look, in terms of back row, I think, you know, I, I play all, I cover all positions. So it's something you have to be prepared for at any point of the game. You could be throwing six, seven or eight, um, whereas this week it's eight. Um, in terms of me, it's just, you know, making sure my relationship between my nines and tens is up to scratch again in terms, you know, there's more link players in eight in terms of your nine and tens and just making sure all that is, that is up to scratch and ready to go and it is we've had a, a very good training week this week in terms of you know different communication and different plays um, so for me personally it's just doing my job doing it well and doing it right you know that's, that's my focus doing the basics right and doing them well well, I suppose obviously the last, the last time, I suppose Aaron Plately, it was it was kind of a difficult game for you because your game was quite a quite short. So I guess um, I guess that makes you more willing now to get out tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, I'll reduce my tackle height this week. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so not prepared for that. And um, I suppose it's difficult to take too much in that game because obviously a lot has happened uh, since then, and obviously Italy themselves have bounced back pretty well as we saw the last day. Yeah, it is. Look, I suppose it is a different. It is a, a few months ago, but. On the flip side, you know, we, we control that game. You know, we control in terms of our defence, our line speed. We put the pressure on Italy and, and, you know, we can do it. So on the flip side, you know, we do take positives from that last meeting as well, knowing that our systems do work against them and just to so as follow the game plan and implement it. And, and, and I guess, um, I don't know, kind of Adam twisted on as well, you know, just kind of... Uh, you, know, you have had some very good days against Italy in the past and so you kind of can look to that, towards that at the same time. The show like that that is what you can do as well yeah it is but then on the flip side you know they, they you know they they ran us close a few times and look they beat us previously as well once and you know you can't take anything for granted i think that's the the biggest thing you know this competition shows like this is nothing is for granted nothing is set in stone so you know you prepare the same as every group and you have to be so as you know, military in your own preparation and you to make sure you're ready to perform 
That is Irish women's rugby captain uh, Kira Griffin speaking ahead of their big game against Italy in the World Cup qualifiers tomorrow in Parma over in Italy. They do need to win, as you heard there. It's a vital game and uh, they do really need that victory to reach the finals uh, of the World Cup next year. Let's hear from uh, the boss, the Irish women's rugby coach, Adam Griggs. He made four changes to his team from the team that lost on Monday against Spain and he's hoping for a much better result this time out. He's been speaking at today's press conference as well to the media. You know, after the performance uh, on the weekend, we felt we needed to freshen things up a little bit and uh, a couple of them forced. Lindsay Pete's preparation this week was disrupted just for personal medical reasons and so she wasn't able to train as much. So we felt for the group, Laura Fairley came on and did a really good job um, on Monday and she earns her her opportunity there. So um, that was fairly straightforward in terms of the preparation. And Aoife McDermott, you know, is a, a line-out maestro, but we felt uh, Sam came on and obviously she had her, her spell in the sin bin, but when she was on the field, we thought she had a really good impact and we feel Italy are going to be an abrasive pack this week and we think that she'll suit um, trying to counter that. So those couple of changes, as I say, we, we looked at and um, plenty of discussion and Eve coming back into the to the centres uh, for us again, we know how good she was in the Six Nations and um, we feel that her strike running is going to be really important to try and get us some go forward um, in that midfield as well. So um, that's where we, we looked at that. And say last one there, uh, Claire Malloy coming onto the bench. You know, we, we need her experience. She's trained really well this week. Um, she's put her hand up and, and earned it. And we think, you know, being able to insert her into the game um, where, wherever that time may be will add that experience and that calm head that we'll, we'll need um, you know, to hopefully see out the game. Yeah, look, Adam, I mean, there's no doubt about it. This has been a really difficult week for the squad. Just mentally, where is everybody? Because I, I can imagine there's obviously the element of getting over the shock and then realising you're still in this thing. Yeah, I think, you know, you almost have to go through a little bit of a grieving process uh, uh, the, in the days um, after the the loss and, and we certainly did that as a coaching group we we made sure we reviewed everything um, from the game and, and again it was an honest um, analysis of where we felt we went wrong and we presented that with the squad and we said you know we have to all hold our hands up here support staff to players and make sure that we don't let that performance happen again so the first couple of days were difficult but we had a really good session um, in the middle of the week where we felt you know that was a good turning point for us to leave last weekend behind and move on to this weekend. Lastly then, just on Italy, you know, they were really impressive in their first game in this one. Similar situation in the Six Nations. I mean, they're a really good team. Yeah, we, we definitely can't take our eye off the ball here and we're not underestimating them. They are a good team and if you let them get on top and get some go forward, you know, they will exploit you. They, they like to offload the ball. They like to keep it alive and uh, we know, you know, we've spoken at length about making sure our defence is, is really dominant this week and putting a, a real um, emphasis on that and trying to shut down their space and not give them time on the ball. I think when we had a look at the game against Scotland, they were allowed to play. And if you allow that, they are good and they will punish you. So um, that's really a, an emphasis we're looking at this weekend. Hi, Adam. Um, just given the nature of the performance against Spain, was there a temptation to make more changes maybe in the back line? Eve Higgins is the only new face come in, I think. Why, why were you happy to just go with one change and what, I suppose, give me confidence that they can deliver better performance tomorrow? Yeah, I think probably the worst thing you can do when you come off a loss and, and you haven't performed well is make wholesale changes just for the for the fact. And 
I think as a backline and, and looking at Eve coming in, we actually created a lot of opportunities that we didn't execute and didn't finish. But, you know, when you do review and, and you create those opportunities, we've ultimately backed the players that they will finish off uh, those opportunities this week. And again, there's some good cohesion there with the back three around Babe and Lee and, and Ian McConsoline as well. So we've looked at Italy. They've got a strong kicking game that they've kind of uh, brought in over the last six months. And we feel that that's going to be um, important for our back three to work together. And, you know, again, giving Catherine and Stacey that time in, in the nine and 10 playmaking position, you've got to make sure your partnership is rock solid. And we feel those two are, are certainly the best to cope with that along. That is Irish women's rugby coach Adam Griggs speaking ahead of their big game against Italy tomorrow. Uh, the World Cup qualifier hoping to reach next year's World Cup finals in New Zealand. Now, just update you in uh, the uh, the hurling locally. Uh, latest score for you there. Uh, the Rockies have got another few points and it is now uh, BlackRock leading by nine points there. BlackRock 219, Charleville 16 points. The latest score there in the Premier Senior Hurling Championship. Uh, just to wrap up uh, some of the other scores from earlier, uh, just to recap on those as well. Um, uh, local Gaelic games wise um, it was um, earlier on the Glen were victorious against Bishopstown and Porky Ring 117 to 13 points the final score there Good win for Douglas as well today. They won by eight points against Newtown Shandrum. Douglas 23 points, Newtown Shandrum 15 points. And later on at half past seven, Aaron Zone taking on the Bars, St. Finn Bars, down in Porky Cueve. And the latest score, as we said there, between uh, the Rockies and uh, Charleville Blackrock 219, Charleville 16 points. Just latest score in the Premier League as well um, at Villa Park. Uh, Everton hoping to, uh, to go up the top of the table next to their Merseyside rivals, Liverpool. And uh, they need to get a goal if they're going to do that because they're still been no goals at Villa Park 55 minutes on the clock there it remains Aston Villa nil Everton nil now we're going to turn our attentions to boxing right now and we're going to hear from Olympian boxers Aidan and Michaela Walsh and indeed from their father as well they've all been chatting to Valerie we're delighted to be joined by EBS Ambassadors, Olympians and Ireland's history-making siblings, Aidan and Michaela Walsh, alongside their dad and longtime boxing volunteer, Damien Walsh. This is following the launch of the 2021 Federation of Irish Sport Volunteers and Sport Awards supported by the EBS. The awards will see EBS and the Federation of Irish Sport Hero of the Volunteers from around the country who go above and beyond every day to ensure that sport and physical activity takes place in Ireland. The EBS is calling on the Irish public to nominate a volunteer in their sport who would like, who you would like to see being recognised at the 2021 Volunteers in Sport Awards and to nominate an everyday hero and to be able to chance of winning 1,000 euros for your local sports club. Simply visit volunteersinsport.e and nominations can be made by a club, an individual or a sporting body and they are now open from the 7th of September to the 17th of October. So finally, guys, welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you on. First of all, Michaela, what's life like after the Olympics? Have you had some downtime, some chance to relax? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was all go obviously when we came back having small homecomings and that there and people coming up the in the street now, so it was a bit mad, but uh, it was good to be home, you know, we're away for over six weeks, so it was just good to time spend some time with our partners and our family, you know, we're away for so long, so it was, it was good to come back home and just and chill out for a bit. So I love being at home. So long may it last. <laughs> Damien, you're probably delighted to have them back. I know all our parents are proud of us, but you must must be especially proud of these two. 
Oh, over, over the moon, which I'm so looking forward to them coming back from a, from a long trip. It's probably one of the longer trips of all their trips that they've ever been out to um, in terms of just being the six week sort of being out, out there. But uh, no, well, you have FaceTime, you have the phone calls and that, but you know, they're out there to do a job, so I don't like to sort of intervene too often, i.e. FaceTime because, you know, you've got a job to do and you've got to stay focused, so I try to keep the emotional side out of the equation when, when they're out there, but to get them home and get them, you know, to be in the position that we're in, um, just a little unfortunate for Michaela, but obviously Aiden coming home with a medal sort of, sort of, it up, up the, the tempo we bit for us and made us feel good. But the question that you asked there about the downtime and glad to get home, we were just so glad we have a caravan up at the north coast. And I've always used that as a, as a, as a release valve that, um, if you come away, like if you want to get your head short and get a wee bit of uh, stress relief, Way up the countryside, down to the beach, up the mountain, go for a walk into the local village. Carnock's a beautiful place in the world. And that, believe it or not, is one of the strategies that we always use to sort of come down a wee bit. Because we've had many, many solid weeks out at high-intensity training camps and that. And to come home and come back from a high, i.e. like you come back from a massive high, to coming back to what you're just normally doing can be very, very hard for any athlete. So for me to have, you need like a strategy in place to do something different, i.e. go on a holiday or that. But obviously with COVID, things not been too too good in that score. And um, first thing they did was head off the car and rock, bring the fishing rod, bring the kayak, bring the bike, and just go back to your route. And it just and it does help bring you down again. So that for me was just something that I uh, was looking forward for the Emmons because. It's, it's hard for any athlete to come back from such a high profile event, you know, the biggest stage in the world, obviously. So no, no, I was glad to get them back. Of course, you're Aiden. I did read somewhere when you came back, you said all you wanted was a Chinese and a can of Coke and a pack of Harry Bows. I'm sure you've had that by now, have you? Oh, flip me. Chinese out, I'm Harry Bowed out and I'm Coke out. I've been drinking Coca Cola by the gallon since I back. But no, it's great. Just to, you, you appreciate the small things in life that, that, that bring you the most joy. Like obviously, when the medal and stuff's brilliant too. But a nice can of coke does a job rightly too. Like when you're down for one. So no, it was great. And obviously, just getting down in the caravan, like you said, with the Chinese and the kind of coke. So a few a few news reporters were asking me for the, the photo outside the caravan with the Chinese and the kind of coke. So the world, but no, it was a great laugh. But things like that, obviously, we're just normal people that, that just happen to maybe be at the Olympics and do well, but. I'd say that we're just normal people, like, so it's been brilliant. Michaela, tell us about your Olympic experience. How did you find it? Like, you, as your dad mentioned, it's the world's biggest stage and you were there. Oh, it was, it was phenomenal. You know, even even to get the Olympics is something I've, I've dreamed about. It's a childhood dream. And obviously it was very hard to qualify. So it was um, the qualifiers, obviously, for us were pushed back. Obviously, COVID came and it was postponed for over a year. So, uh the boxing team only had one chance and one chance only to qualify and obviously to do that along with Aiden was, was very special to me and being at the Olympics obviously I wanted a medal. Uh, it wasn't the be, it was it was such a close fight that I had but I think just having Aiden there with me and, and his success was sort of my success, you know. I sort of went, once I was defeated I had to put that defeat to the side and, and do everything on my will and power to help Aiden, you know, if he needed anything going for breakfast, lunch and dinner together, going for walks. So anything he needed, I was there for him. And, and just, you know, it's a bit of home away. For, it, it, we were away for six weeks, so just having a bit of home with you, but just trying to keep keep up the keep the spirits good. And just I didn't want to really talk about my fight or anything, just because I knew how much of a chance he had. So um, 
in a way, Tokyo was very positive for me. Um, I gained a lot of experience. So going forward ahead, ahead of Paris now, I've got that in the bank and I sort of know what they expect now going forward. Yeah, well, you did absolutely amazing, as you said, and to do it alongside your brother was even even more special. And, and Aidan, you were lucky enough to get your hands on a medal and tell us about your experience. I mean, congratulations. It's amazing to come out with a medal. is not easy. Oh, thank you. You know, it's, it's great, obviously, to get there. It's the hardest part I always remember when I was a kid. Everyone always says like, the medal or the medal's obviously a bonus, but to get there is the hardest part. And I realized it is, it's, it's extremely hard. It's extremely difficult to get there. So a medal is obviously a massive bonus and people miss out just by this, the skin of your teeth, like, so it's, um, it's, it's really hard. And obviously the whole team deserved the medal. I'm not the only one there that, that gives my life to it. There's, there's hundreds of other athletes across the, 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 the Olympics that give their life to it. So I just felt like I was one of the lucky ones and one of the, the ones who just happened to, the, the, go my way on that day. And, it's just one of them things and it just obviously I would have loved Michaela to get a medal and all the other team team members to get a medal, but as I say, I just feel extremely lucky to be in the situation that I'm in. So just it's it's amazing. I'm sure you've probably learned a lot from it, especially maybe to calm down your post fight celebrations. <laughs> oh flip, I'll not be doing that again anyway. I may learn a new celebration for going ahead. But no, it was just obviously with the adrenaline and obviously that moment of your life that you're you've given so much to your life for and for it actually to pay off just all the relief what what the come comes after that and what just gonna open so many doors for me now and just uh, it's just like someone just opens like a big release valve and just lift or like a big balloon just lets all the pressure out of things that you were hoping for to achieve in your life. That like if I, no matter what, you can always say, first off, I'm an Olympian, and yeah. second off, I'm an Olympic medalist, no matter what way my career goes. Obviously, you always want more, but if I had a start box and someone said to me, you're going to be an Olympian and an Olympic medalist, you would have given anything for it. So to be sitting here in that situation, that's amazing. Jamie, what was it like for you at home watching on? I mean, there, all of us were trying to watch and we all of us were watching behind our hands. But for you at home, yourself and your your family, that must have been very difficult. Well, I just kept saying prayers. <laughs> I was prayed out. <laughs> I was prayed, prayed, prayed to God that day in McKelly, you know, every fight that was, that, that was coming up, you know, I'm a man of the faith, like, and it would be, you know, seriously, I was just praying all the time that they, that, that, that would, because they deserved us so much, and I knew how much effort that the pair of them have put in over the years, and, you know, and, you know, something, I support, I supported the whole team out there, you know, obviously, uh, Ian McKellar being my, my son and daughter and that, but, um, I was just, every fight, every fight, it was just a high coming in and getting up early the next morning, and I still had to go to work. Still had to go to work and do a day's work. Still have to keep paying the bills and doing that normally what I do. But um, I just got the odd day off when, when there's a fight on at a certain time or get get out of work, which I'm grateful for as well. Um, but the uh, the emotional side of it, there, it's like any any parent or relation or friend, um, you know, many many thousands of miles across the globe, and there they are and they're on their own doing doing this amazing feat of of, of um, becoming Olympians and then. The, the, to get into these work, the global fight, you know, everybody on the globe is watching you on screen at this very moment in time. But um, sometimes you just got to let your, 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 that get carried away too much and just have belief in, in, in them that, that, that they, they're going to do this. And, you know, something that, that, that um, remarkably has paid off because I've always had that mindset, you know, believe it. I do, do, I do believe it. I know it's a word often used in that, but you've got to really, really believe it. And, just put we put we markers about 
to yourself and say, keep, keep yourself on cue and don't, don't let any of the, the, the doubts come back into you. And often say to them, the minute the doubt comes into your mind, just get rid of it. Don't let, don't let it get overrage you and, and make sure that you, any negativity, get rid of it as quick as you can, you know. It's like a bad smell, you know, you don't hang around with it, you get rid of it, you know, and, and that's the way the boxing is. But, um, I, I just sort of try to control, keep myself calm and, Enjoy. You probably seen um, on the YouTube video us celebrating after the win. Um, I, I just sat down at the, in the back. I, I, my face is needing it. I just sat down, but I hadn't got the energy to jump up because my energy was all used up in the nerves, you know. But that absolutely phenomenal, great stuff, great stuff. It is absolutely phenomenal, Michaela. I think something else that I've noticed since um, you're all home. Look, there's plenty of men in the sport, but I have noticed that. Plenty of young girls are more interested in now, and that's down to the likes of yourself. I mean, I'm living here in Limerick, and they only opened up a boxing club after the Olympics, and I've seen loads of little girls going in there in my local area. So I just think that is the most amazing thing from what you've done there. Oh, 100%. Not, not only myself, but Eva Rourke and Kelly Harden on the team as well, um, and the many others, women um, boxers that weren't at the Olympics. You know, I think... I think now sort of women's boxing and male boxing, it's not separate. It's, it's only one sport now. And obviously I took a lot of time to, to get to that stage. Like even, um, we're, we're equal in a way. Like even on the Irish team, we're training together. It's, we're not separate. We're one team, which is brilliant. You no, know, many years ago, I, I wouldn't have been the way. And like I said, like there we are, the boxing club, and a lot of young girls coming up. And even up at home, I've been getting a lot of letters from young girls saying, I'd love to be like you. And, that is Olympic uh, boxer Michaela Walsh and indeed Aidan Walsh as well there um, uh, just uh, having the chats uh, in, the, in the aftermath of the Tokyo Olympics and uh, we're talking about Everton uh, possibly going to join top of the Premier League this evening well it won't be happening unless they get two goals now because they've just got a goal down at Villa Park there has just been a goal in the last minute or two and Aston Villa have taken the lead against Everton Aston Villa won Everton nil Matty Cash with the goal for Villa on 66 minutes there so uh, still plenty of time for Rafa Benitez's Everton side to get back in that game but um, as it stands it is Liverpool sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League after their victory today Liverpool 3 Crystal Palace 0 they're now 3 points ahead of Man City who drew nil all with Southampton uh, they're 3 points ahead as well of Manchester United and Chelsea who both play tomorrow big game for Manchester United tomorrow 2 o'clock kickoff against West Ham and Chelsea with the big London derby uh, at 4.30 against Spurs as well uh, the other results then besides those ones in the Premier League today Brentford uh, newly promoted Brentford with a good 2-0 win over Wolves earlier on uh, Watford beating a hopeless Norwich 3 uh, one, no points for them all season still and uh, good one for Arsenal uh, badly needed for Arsenal 1-0 against Burnley as well and uh, we just had a final score for you now as well in that game in the uh, Premier Hurling se- uh, Premier Senior Hurling Championship um, Charleville and the Rockies uh, Blackrock winning by 7 points there in the end Blackrock 2-19 Charleville 18 points is how it finished there and uh, another uh, big game later on down in Porky Cueve at uh, 7.30 it is uh, Aaron's own taking on the bars that is us out of time for this evening I'll be back with you tomorrow morning on the 10 to 2 show from 10am I'll chat to you then and Rory's here with the Big Red Bench tomorrow evening from 6pm wrapping up all the weekend sport have a great Saturday night I'll chat to you in the morning The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM